Welcome back to Michael and Us. Uh, my name is Will Sloan. I'm here as always with... Luke Savage. Nice to be back. Great success. Can you do a Borat impression? I think you'll hear me do one later. As you may have guessed, <laughs> the movie we're doing today is The Sorrow and the Pity. No, that that's a joke. We're doing... Uh, Not! Uh, we're doing uh, Borat, Cultural Learnings. For uh, Make Benefit, Great Nation of Kazakhstan. Uh, an important film in all our lives. And uh, to talk about it, we're going to be joined by Violet Luca the digital editor at Film Comment and host of the Film Comment podcast and writer for sundry journals, including Sight and Sound and Reverse Shot. Yeah, we had a great discussion with Violet. It was uh, fantastic to have her on. I I think it's the first time we've had a non-in-studio guest, uh, so hopefully the audio quality is not too bad. Well, I guess you'll all find out soon enough. So in any case, uh, we hope you enjoy our discussion with Violet Luca. Why don't we start by maybe saying, like, what was everyone's experience with this movie? Because I have a very vivid memory of, you know, spending an hour in line on opening weekend. I was 18 years old. Like, watching this movie was just a very nostalgic experience for me, remembering the the gales of laughter, you know, the feverish anticipation, the feeling that this was a revolutionary moment in comedy. I think Entertainment Weekly even said it's it's like listening to Sgt. Pepper for the first time. <laughs> what was your experience with it, Violet? Um, well, I have to say it was pretty exciting too, although I, I didn't wait in line. I saw it when I was a student at, at the University of Iowa. So there was an on-campus theater called the Bijou, which I was on the board of directors, and we would sort of like choose art house, international, independent movies to run there. And then there was this theater in the old Capitol Mall, which is like the classic, like, dead American mall. No businesses really could stay in there uh, because Iowa is the first state in the U.S. to have a primary. Like, a lot of those storefronts would get rented out by, like, uh, you know, like political campaigns. So, like, Obama had a lot of offices in that mall. They had a kind of rough go of it trying to show stuff to college students. But Borat was one of the films that was very successful for obvious reasons. And I saw it there, uh, I believe it was like a Sunday night. It was The theater was not super packed. I saw it with my friend Carrie and it was like very, like people were like screaming because it was so funny. I think the naked wrestling scene is maybe the hardest I've ever laughed in my life watching it for the first time which is a little embarrassing to admit now although i have to say i was laughing pretty hard watching it again this time yeah Yeah, no it's 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 great (laughs) it's great yeah i mean sorry i can't actually remember the first time i saw this but i do remember one experience this is such a this is such a like 2007 story and i feel embarrassed sharing it but i remember i was living in hamilton ontario at the time and i had the whole house to myself for a weekend and so i invited two friends up from high school I went to high school in another town, and so they came to visit me. And I just remember us getting extremely, like, 2007-level stoned and then watching (laughs) Borat and eating, like, a disgusting pasta concoction where I just basically made everything in the house into this pasta. And I remember us literally keeling on the floor laughing like like raffle but in in real life yeah when this movie came out it, there was the sense that it like it wasn't just a comedy it was important in some way uh it was kind of this like <laughs> culture really? war moment <laughs> <laughs> i don't know well i have to say um nathan lee on the so borat was the cover of the november december 2006 issue of film comment which by the way was the very first issue of film comment i ever owned hey yes. that's great but Nathan Lee compared it to like 
Fahrenheit 9-11. So this kind of brings us back to the theme of Michael and us now. Um, Which was all... also a, a film comment cover story, I, I, I seem to recall. That was... e- everything, everything in culture ultimately comes back to Michael Moore. <laughs> Actually, it's great that we have you on the podcast this week because Film Comment, of course, was the magazine that brought down Michael Moore for the the first time. Uh, It was the home of that famous, I think it was Harlan Jacobson takedown of Michael Moore. So I don't I don't know this story. Perhaps before we continue with Borat, you and Violet can enlighten me on I'm I'm down for any like additional Michael Moore content we can bring out of this. I'm surprised that you don't remember this because it was uh, hashed over quite extensively in the documentary. God, was it Michael Moore hates America? They all kind of blur together in my memory. Does Michael do you have like Michael Moore's like head stuffed on on a wall in the office no (laughs) no because here's what happened so there was that story there was that very like so like and the cover that cover is michael moore's face with like tire tracks kind of like going behind it and over it this was not when you know not like the uh, apex of a film comment cover graphic design but anyway uh so there was that sort of take basically sort of being like this is bullshit i think it was probably the first place that was like coming up with like how he distorted the timeline basically and rearranged stuff wasn't that it yeah yeah Yeah. that's right so basically after that like so harlan jacobson was the editor then came richard jamison and then came gavin smith and gavin and kent jones they love michael moore like really they love him and so everything that ever ran during like gavin smith's tenure was very positive so like there's a feature on Sicko that's very glowing. There was some mild criticism of him in like a Paul Arthur column. But other than that, like everything, like the, the only cover of Film Comet that has ever like been like specially photographed or, or like specially staged and not just like a film still or like a movie poster was the Michael Moore, George Bush, Fahrenheit 9-11 cover, which is like, Classic. that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrifying. Have you ever had occasion to meet Michael Moore? I mean, you're both in New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never. I, I don't really get out to like a per se. You know, I don't get. <laughs> I didn't to realize fine Michael dining. Moore lived in New York. I just assumed he lived in Flint, Michigan, which is the center of his universe, as I've un- learned it from his films. I have to say, during the year I spent in New York, I used to see him down at Occupy Wall Street every now and then. So I have seen him in the flash. I think that's something that I haven't said on this podcast before. <laughs> ah, well, I saw him. I like I wrote about in my uh, Where to Invade Next review. I did see him like on the stage doing his performance. And I want to say, I would like to clarify that at the end of the article, I say I would rather have Bill Gates write a check. And in the original draft, when I was talking about him appearing, I referenced Bill Gates because Michael Moore talked about how he, like, when he was doing The Awful Truth, he, like, he told this really elaborate, pointless story about how he, like, got a shot of Bill Gates's head. And, like, Bill Gates was, like, afraid of him and, like, how he wanted... Bill Gates to meet the poorest man in the world. Uh, like, literally, good. that was the conceit. And it was just, like, so fucking gross. But then Michael Koreski cut that out because it was kind of kind of a bit too much, maybe too much of a tangent, but I felt like it's sort of relevant where it's like, what is the point of that? What is the point of Bill Gates meeting, quote, unquote, the poorest man? And first of all, how do you determine that? That reminds me of that scene in Don't Look Back when Bob Dylan says, you know, real truth would be a picture of Rockefeller <laughs> next to a bum. <laughs> <laughs> That is, yes, he probably saw that and he's like, I want to do that for my show. So, probably what happened. But uh, getting back to Borat, um, 
you know, th- this movie, as I was watching it, I mean, it felt like such a time capsule, not only of my youth, but oh, of yeah. America in 2006. And I, I think maybe an interesting uh, point of entry in this is Sasha Baron Cohen's critical standing, I think, has fallen quite a bit <laughs> since it came out. Each new movie has been less well-received than the last one. Well, well, well. Uh, the the Ali G movie was universally hated. Yes, I thought Brothers Grimsby was pretty funny. I gotta say, um, <laughs> but I, I'm gonna proffer a theory about why he's uh, fallen a bit. I think critics in general are a little bit uncomfortable with kind of vul- vulgarity and bathroom humor and uh, crude sex jokes and gay jokes. And I think in Borat, it, it gave them permission to laugh at that sort of thing because while it was for a greater cause right yeah it was to absolutely. show america's hypocrisy or something like that uh does that have the ring of truth well i think more than that it's just like it's it's sort of <laughs> did you guys see experimenter no, no i, I don't know what that it. is okay so stanley milgram is was this american psychologist and he did this study he was he was jewish and a, a, a psychologist at harvard and he's like how did the holocaust really happen like how did all of these people suddenly fall under the sway of this authority. Oh, I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. The Milgram experiments. Yeah. Yeah. So he did so, these, yeah. he basically, he's the guy who did like these experiments about politeness and social control. And, you know, the elect, having, you know, electrocuting somebody just because someone else tell, who is supposedly in a theory, you know, in a position of uh, authority tells you to. And I feel like Borat, like this movie is very much in that, the vein of the Stanley Milgram experiments. Because it's showing not just like, it's showing people what happens when people are for, you know, like feel obligated to be polite, but then also it's showing like what Americans think people from other countries are like. Because the idea that you would, you would have these like, (laughs) these southerners who are fine with a man bringing like a bag of his own feces to the dinner table and being like, where do I put these? They would think that is somehow real. Like that, that's, that's insane, but it's, it's exposing that like, that where the politeness and like the the social contract meet and turn people into kind of horrible monsters and be like oh yeah this is the gun you would use to shoot a jew like that's that's that was my main takeaway from the film insofar as i think like beyond the comedy insofar as it's doing anything political i think it's very striking that Yes, the film starts off in, uh, you know, it sort of begins and ends in two different lib- liberal milieus, one on, you know, one New York and, and the other right. California. And as he kind of journeys throughout the film, you know, he goes through the Midwest and then into flyover the Flyover country. That's right. Yeah. He goes through all the so-called flyover states. And regardless of, you know, whether he's in the Bible Belt or, you know, the Upper East Side, people, generally speaking, have the same sorts of reactions to him. Eventually they're offended when he crosses certain boundaries. But um, a lot of what they do, whether it's the, you know, the second wave feminists that he meets in New York or the uh, Southern aristocrats, their attitude is to be, you know, extremely polite to him. And and what it reveals is that uh, this is the attitude these people have to foreigners. It's okay because there's a sort of pervasive cultural relativism to their impression of him. Uh, they think he's kind of like a noble savage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why people in radically different milieus kind of have the same reaction to him. And I think, I don't know, that's an interesting achievement of this movie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm reminded of like Nancy Pelosi's daughter did this documentary, which is like, it's, you know, it's fun, whatever. It sucks. But there's this great <laughs> moment 
this great moment in it where she goes up to this, uh, you know, she's sort of going through like southern states and uh, she goes up to this black guy and he's like, what? Because you don't say, you don't think people say the N-word in Maine? And it was, a, it's like a brilliant moment because it's like, yes, absolutely, people do. Like you're, you're acting like this attitude is only relegated to a certain part of the country, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, when in reality, the entire country is systematically racist. It's a white supremacist society and you, you're just choosing... You're trying to act like it only you're, you're you're doing this sort of voyeuristic thing and acting like it only happens in one place and that again that's what what exposes is that it's like this is a, an american this is a part of the american character that you, this this reaction to this strange man in a bluish gray suit what should i say if i need to go to the shithole uh you mean to the restroom to the place to the make bathroom. the shit Okay, what you... Not a bath to make a dirt Not from a anus. bath, right. The brown. The, the toilet. Where you make a... Yes. You understand? Yes. Bad, yes. bad, bad thing from it. Yes. I think that the cultural differences are vast. Exactly. And I think he's a delightful man, and it wouldn't take very much time for him to really become Americanized. Thank you very much. I feel much better. Cindy, where shall I put this? Just, uh, where shall I put this? Oh, um, excuse me, excuse me for just a moment, please. Like this, and you wipe your bottom, and you put the paper. Look, I, you, you wipe No, mine? I don't, you do. This, the, is, this the, is a very private host, thing. The host cleans no, 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 the no, anus no, of the no, other? No, 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 no. I mean, there are some scenes in this movie, like when he meets the guy at the rodeo, and he oh talks about God. lynching gay people, or... Uh, he meets the frat boys and they yes. say hateful things about women. And this seemed so shocking at the time. And the movie feels like such a time capsule that that would seem shocking, you know? I mean, I realized oh, yeah. that George Bush was president at the time and everyone thought he was such a reactionary, but it seems this comes from an, a time when there was just this baseline assumption that, well, all these attitudes are behind us, right? right? Or even like, you know, I have to say like seeing um, that film, like when I was still in college, at a school that is sort of, I guess, now more notorious than it was back then for being like a party school, for having lots of frats. And it's like, I, you know, I think when I was like in the theater, what shocked me was not that these frat guys were sh saying these horrible things about women or really revealing their true feelings about women. It was that they were caught. That was what was so exciting and like transgressive to me. Because it's like, you hear that shit all the time. Like, I remember, like, just walking around, you know, like, the downtown area where there are bars, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, do you want to punch in the cunt? Like, I was a, like, I was a freshman, <laughs> you know, it's like, that, that yeah. was just sort of how, when you're in not New York and not L.A., these things bubble up anyway, and, like, Borat was all about these things that, like, I'm not going to say that everyone in Iowa City is, like, a virulent racist, a virulent sexist, xenophobe, whatever, but it would come up sometimes and you wouldn't expect it. it. It's a pretty liberal place, but it would come up. And like, that's what's sort of great about the film is that it's all about these like bubblings up that you are kind of shocking, but it's like, yeah, that, that people feel that way. And now because of Twitter, you know, people feel that way like 24 seven. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess there were a lot of questions and debates around the ethics of this film, but I have to say with those frat boys or some of the other people we see, if their lives were completely ruined by this film, I can't say I really care. I mean, that, like, <laughs> yeah, the, the conversation that he has with those frat boys, like, um, when he first meets them, you know, I don't think they can be more than a few beers in. 
by the end of the scene, they're extremely plastered. But even without having much to drink or anything to drink, they're already like this guy that they just meet. They're already expounding on how minorities have all the power in America. Oh, yeah. And they start like the one guy asks him about the bitches in the old Russia or whatever. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can just like not call him again. Yeah, exactly. You know, because they don't have my respect, he says, you know, like... You remember they sued him for this? Yes, right, I, I remember. And, and kind of central to their lawsuit was the idea that, oh, well, you know, they, they plied us with beers and they kind of got us in this state of mind. Because I have to say, this is like a moment where like Sacha Baron Cohen's Buffon training failed him, right? Because the frat guy's going, oh, you know, you don't have to call those bitches in Russia. And he's like, yes, they don't have a telephone. And he's like, no, you don't call them because they don't fucking mean shit to you. And it's like, that guy did that on his own like oh yeah, yeah. Cohen oh, yeah. Bear, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen's joke is like very like innocent and like dumb in compared to what the reaction is so you know the idea that he's like priming the pump in some way or that he like coerced these guys into doing it it's like no no that's if no if he hadn't gotten into that fucking like okay first of all do I can I just say I love the idea that these like assholes read it an RV and they're just driving around like getting shit <laughs> yeah I, I, I said during the movie that like these guys, this is Trump's base right here. It's like for all the for all the uh, you know all the writing on the so-called white working class, you know these people and like probably their mothers are much more representative of your average Trump supporter than like an yeah. ex machinist on the banks of Lake Erie. Uh yeah, for, I'm gonna I'm gonna really hardcore second that because it's like those guys. I mean, you know, as much as uh, Sasha Baron Cohen supposedly ruined their lives, I'm sure they're like on the board of their, their dad's fucking company. Their dad owns a dealership to quote uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. They're fine. Those assholes are fine and they're voting Trump. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Are women, are women your slaves in Russia? No. Do you have a slaves here? We no wish. slaves. No we slaves. Wish. It is a shame. And Bodak. Big Bodak. shame. It, it would be better country there, if there, yes, yeah, there would be at, better country. We should have slaves. Our country, the minorities actually have more power. Anyone that is minority has the the uh, upper hand. We have the Jews. We have anybody that's against the mainstream. But I think a scene in the movie that has maybe aged poorly is the one early on when he's talking to the second wave feminists. Yeah. Watching that scene, again, this is part of the time capsule quality of the movie. This, for the scene to work, you have to go in with the assumption that everybody watching it agrees with feminism. Right. And and now, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't, it, didn't, it, I didn't find it very funny. Or there's another scene during that montage where he's like going up and trying to kiss people in the streets of New York when he kind of uh, whistles at a girl and says, how much? Yeah, that was not great. <laughs> but everything else was really good. I mean, even like when he goes to talk to Alan Keyes, like the oh, joke yeah. is almost not funny where he's like, I talked to a real chocolate face. No makeup. And it's like, oh, okay, I see what you did. Yeah. <laughs> I see what yeah. you did. I remember that getting a huge laugh when I saw it in the theater. Oh, of course. There, there were a few moments uh, that I, even though I, I remembered basically the entire film, um, there were a few moments that I... I physically and like psychologically could not cope with and I buried my head under a cushion. So the scene where he's with 
the kind of southern aristocrats and he's he's supposedly being taught manners and then it you know it climaxes when he brings like his shit in a bag from the bathroom uh-huh. after i couldn't watch that um and then he brings in the the black woman off the street and and inter- that's the interestingly, bridge too far interestingly that's the moment that they yeah. decide uh you know that you have to get out because just a, f- a few moments before that while he's in the bathroom one of the women there says well i think the cultural differences are extraordinary but he's a lovely man you know but that was one of the moments I I couldn't handle Uh, the Pamela Anderson thing was also pretty hard to watch yeah Yeah. Um, which although um, I gather that was staged yes it was because I was I was also like the idea that she would that a female star could be subjected to that just because she's famous was like really upsetting to me and then I looked it up I was like oh yeah no she was totally in on it so I was gonna say just like the 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 shit in the bag versus like bringing up a black prostitute to dinner that again is sort of like really hammering home that's where it's like the stanley milgram like what's uncomfortable thing where it's like the idea of what too much is has to do with like race and sex as opposed to like putting your like not understanding how a toilet works you know like the, the idea that she's optimistic about his rehabilitation or his like assimilation into society let's say you know it's just that cringe is like i think that's kind of key to the film and I didn't I, I didn't recoil from it but it's like it's not a part you're necessarily supposed to laugh at right no um I mean I f- for me the option was like I would watch it and feel really uncomfortable or I could just bury my head under a pillow and I, I opted <laughs> with the latter I got out my uh book of Jay Hoberman essays here and he, he wrote about Borat when it came out and uh there's an interesting little tidbit in here you know, we've been talking about uh, bits of the movie being staged. One part that definitely was not uh, staged, according to Jay Hoberman, is the scene in the rodeo yes. where he sings the national anthem. He has a number of applaud line, applause lines. He gets the crowd to quite enthusiastically endorse. So he says, you know, in Kazakhstan, we fully support your war of terror. Cheers. You know, shout out to our boys in Iraq. And then there's still applause when he says, may George Bush drink the blood of every man, woman, and child in Iraq. Possible there was some editing done there, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Jay Hoberman says that, uh, he says, Borat manages to complete this anthem. A report in the local paper suggests that Barron and his crew had to be hustled out of the place before they were lynched. And then there's a footnote which reads, If he had been out there a minute longer, I think somebody would have shot him, local television host Robin James told reporter Lawrence Hammock. Had he not gotten out of there, there would have been a riot, according to the rodeo producer Bobby Rowe, to which his wife Lenore added, it's a wonder one of those cowboys didn't go out there and rope him up. I mean, I think we do have to acknowledge how utterly fearless Sasha Baron Cohen is. I mean, this is this is next-level performance art. I think even if you uh, are somebody who watches this and recoils in, you know, how offended you are, you do have to respect the the sheer commitment because he never breaks character a single time. And what he's willing to subject himself to is utterly extraordinary. One of the things that's exciting about him or was exciting about him at the time was also the idea that we'd never seen an interview with him. He was almost this mysterious figure. He'd he'd done all his interviews in character as either Ali G or Borat. And nobody really knew what he was quite like. They just knew that he was kind of this Oxbridge ed- educated guy. I now will sing our Kazakh national anthem to the tune of your national anthem. Listen. Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the world. All other countries are run by little girls. 
Kazakhstan is number one exporter of potassium. Other Central Asian countries have inferior potassium. Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the world. All other countries is the home of the gays. We talked about Religious a few weeks ago, which was the director, his follow-up film. At the time, Luke, you talked about it as being a real relic of the Bush era where it was kind of the politically correct position that you could could hate Southerners and you can hate kind of fundamentalist Christians because they were complicit in the election of George Bush. Did you feel any of that? Like, because I feel like the scene where he gets his Christian conversion is frankly one of the one of the lamer scenes kind of an easy target i agree with you that it's a less funny scene but i I don't think i would make the same criticism of this film that i made of religious because i think like as i said before he's doing he's satirizing liberal milieu like they're the butt end of jokes as well as the kind of bible belt Mm -hmm. so i think the film is more nuanced in that way religious doesn't work because it uses uh religion as a proxy for just general metropolitan smugness and class chauvinism so when bill maher who is an you know, amply paid MSNBC host goes to a chapel next to a truck stop and ridicules the, you know, truck drivers who for fuck's sake are just trying to find a little bit of meaning in their goddamn lives and ridicules (laughs) them for being stupid. Yeah, the idea that someone wants to be comforted. What a a fucking rube. Oh my God. That's right. I mean, but I think in this, because, because it begins on the East Coast and ends in the West Coast, I don't have the sense that the film is capitalizing on... The film... The film doesn't owe its success to to the metropolitan smugness of New Yorkers or people in the Beltway or whatever. It's a uh, I think it's a little more layered than that. So I'm, but I actually wasn't aware that they had the same director. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. And he also directed the later uh, Bruno. Yeah, no, I mean, um, in regards to commitment, I will mention Bruno in that I like during the Mark Maron interview, which made me respect and hate Sasha Baron Cohen more. Um, he yeah. talks about like you know es- very narrowly escaping a segment of Bruno something he did on Bruno like he literally jumped from a window broke his ankle and then had to like run on it to escape being like beaten to death like again total commitment total commitment yeah incredible I'm sure you both remember all the stories that were in like every article about Sasha Baron Cohen at the time that he like wore the same outfit for three months straight and never showered and uh I don't know, n- never shaved his body hair or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, and okay, yes. I mean, at this juncture, we really need to talk about the naked fight, like the naked wrestling scene. Uh, yes. What What is there left to say about it? Well, I mean, if we want to talk about Sasha Baron Cohen's commitment, he's willing to let an extremely obese man, like, completely naked, like, 69 him. Yeah. And, um, right. you know, kudos. One, one of the things that's still, like, funny about him, I think, even in the uh, criminally underrated The Brothers Grimsby, is, like, the idea that there kind of, like, are no limits. There's no shame. Like, the, the Brothers Grimsby has a scene where it's, like, the classic, oh, I've been hit by a dart, you have to suck out the poison scene, but the poison is in the guy's scrotum. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. Oh, it just came out last year. I saw it, um, me and I think seven other people in a cavernous empty theater and i was laughing like robert de niro and kate fear all through the whole thing (laughs) 
you also had a giant cigar and a Hawaiian shirt, which did not help. I think Brothers Grimsby, like, again, this comes back to my theory that, like, critics aren't comfortable with Sasha Baron Cohen when, you know, his brand of humor is just used to make you laugh as opposed to make some satiric point. Um, Violet, it's like, uh, how was he making fun of, I don't know, we don't have to talk about Brothers Grimsby, but it's like, well, what was he making fun of in that movie? Well, I, I guess there was, now that I think of it, there was some criticism in Brothers towards Brothers Grimsby that it's like he's this, again, this Oxbridge educated guy and he's kind of making fun of, you know, lower middle class or working class Londoners, right? Yeah, yeah, that because that was where it seemed like it was like not the the not humor was coming. Yeah, and not and not necessarily gags, but like I mean, I would I'm gonna say that like here in this film, like there are moments where it's you know like when he goes to the the quote unquote gypsy who is selling all this stuff, it's like he's not making fun of that woman. He's not being right. mean towards that woman. He's just sort of like playing off of her reaction. I think it's like a great bit of like um, experimental anthropology, what he's doing, where she, you know, where she's like, I'm not a gypsy. I'm a hundred percent American born. She says, she says, I'm a Midwesterner's, I'm a Midwestern farmer's daughter. Americana, she says. Yes. Yes. It's like, and so it's like that reaction is like, that's not making fun of her. Like, it's just seeing like what this good natured, but I want to get rid of my shit woman has to say. Yeah, yeah. Say, you know it's like it's an interesting thing and then even just seeing like what she has out you know up for sale is kind of yeah again like this radical ethnography that's cool it's like fun to watch yeah and i guess there's also that scene where borat goes to stay at the bed and breakfast with the elderly uh, jewish couple who come, come off very well yeah <laughs> yes exactly and that <laughs> she's when when he realizes when he looks around and he sees all the jewish paintings and just like the horror, like all of that was very funny. Obviously, it's not nice to propagate the idea that literally everyone from the Middle East has this like horrible anti-Semitism about them, where they think Jews are like not even people, but like sh- you know shape-shifting demonic things that only eat money. But like when the reactions to like he gets from like these everyday Americans, where you know supposedly you know we don't have you know a big problem with anti-semitism in this country like they're they're blase reactions to him being like kill all the jews and them being like yeah yeah he goes to a gun store and he asks the guy what's the what is the best weapon to defend against a jew and the guy's just like totally deadpan he's like i would recommend a nine millimeter <laughs> i mean it's <laughs> it's unreal yeah. Uh, t- tell us, if you can, uh, briefly, uh, and it's probably impossible, briefly, but uh, a little about Kazakhstan. What, 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 you, what should we know about Kazakhstan? Uh, Kazakhstan is now a very civilized country, mm. much like a USNA. Kazakhstan now very civilized, particularly since recent reforms, mm. which mean that now women is permitted to travel on inside of bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also homosexuals no longer have to wear blue hats. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I, I tell you what, uh, Borat, when we... This is a fun! Yeah, it's a lot of fun. One of the common criticisms towards the movie at the time was this idea that, like, okay, well, what about Kazakhstan? You know, if this movie's going to criticize people for being racist, like, isn't it racist to perpetuate this caricature of Kazakhstan? Do you think there's any merit to that? No. Okay. Because it's like, I mean, again, it's like this idea, he's not playing somebody from Kazakhstan, literally. You're right. He's playing, he's playing like a sort of orient, well, like whatever the equivalent to Orientalism is for like Eastern Europe or, or uh, right. Central Asia. It's, he's playing like old world 
prejudice about yeah. that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, you can call it Orientalism because wasn't it Mr. Zizek himself who said on that other side of the river lies the Orient? So I think Kazakhstan's on the other the other side of the the Buddha. What wasn't it the Whatever river runs through Hungary. I don't know. I'm, I'm American. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Freedom fries. Yeah. Does anyone have any memory of uh, Bruno? Did you see Bruno, Luke? I've seen it a few times. Yeah. Well, I think that you have a pretty good story about seeing it in a theater. I remember you wrote about it for the Varsity in 2009 or whatever. I can't even remember that. But I do remember seeing it at like a preview screening where like there were mass walkouts uh particularly there's a scene in bruno where like you see like his cock like bouncing up and down and then it it pauses at the and then it like talks <laughs> oh yeah and, and that scene i think must have been like 10 walkouts right there well and there's that scene early on where he's like having sex with his boyfriend and then his boyfriend <laughs> literally spins around on his cock yeah did anyone walk out at that? I can't. I think it was pretty early. I think people were still like, you know, <laughs> I, th- I think another controversial scene, at least at the theater I saw it with was, do you remember that scene where he's like, there's a seance so that he can talk to his ex-boyfriend and then he starts like miming, like jerking him off and having him come on his face. <laughs> I want, it would be so weird to watch Bruno now. I feel like that movie is like probably as much of a much of a time capsule probably more so it probably feels really dated now right yeah it's funny because like i watching borat again literally for the first time since i saw it 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 struck me as kind of like sweet and naive not just because of like the attitudes like the certainty that the attitudes that like the outre attitudes are being expressed have been defeated or have been pushed underground it's it's also that you know he could be on the new york city subway and let out a chicken and no one is recording it with their cell phone. Like, if that happened today, like, you couldn't do this movie today, really, because it would be on cell phones. Like, people would be out there recording it, and, like, it would become a viral thing before he could even finish filming it. And he'd be recognized, because people from the UK would see it, and they'd be like, oh, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. I actually remember when Bruno was filming, social media was still in its infancy at the time, but even when Bruno was filming, there were a lot of, there was a small industry of reports being, you know, Bruno sightings, you know, Bruno was seen here, Bruno was seen there. I still do feel like it's only a matter of time, though, before we get another Borat movie. You're right. In this age of remakes. Yeah, like it won't be in this format, uh, but I think, yeah, he will get his Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. You know, he will get his uh, decades later. Maybe sequel. we'll get like Lego Borat. No! <laughs> or if we're, if we're extremely progressive, maybe like Lady Lego Borat. <laughs> My husband, great to say. Yeah. No, I mean, it just doesn't. But, but, but like, as I was saying before, like the Ali G movie. The reason why that was, like, hated is because it tried to, like, narrativize Ali G. And it's like, you can't do that. Like, you need that element of surprise. You need him, like, fucking with people that exist outside of this world. Because it's like, the reason why I say that Borat is not from the real Kazakhstan, aside from the fact that it's, it's, it's this exaggerated character, the film doesn't really take place there. The, the Kazakhs who are participating in it, they know exactly what they're fucking doing. Like they're in on the joke. Were they though? Because I thought I thought. Uh, well, that the scene, idea that the somebody first like scene. hooks up a, a horse to a broken car and then everyone's waving goodbye. I think I'm pretty sure like they're in on that there. Romanian village where they filmed the opening scene. They actually tried to sue uh, Sasha Baron Cohen afterwards. Oh. Uh, I actually saw a documentary about these poor people. <laughs> they actually thought they were part of a a, a real documentary. The, the documentary about them is called uh, Carmen Meets Borat. 
and I saw it here at the Toronto Hot Dogs Festival a few years ago. It, it really is like the poorest village in Romania. Oh. Well, I guess Sorry, they, guys. This, this might be what you're a spoil sport, Will. Um, <laughs> like, I, I think that as much as I kind of dismissed any ethical issues with this film when it comes to the frat boys or people who are similarly repulsive, I think it's possible for a movie to be as funny as this is and to say that, you know, some of the parts of it are maybe not very ethical. I mean, if he really, if he subjected a poor village in Romania to to this, then maybe the, it can, it can be funny and be problematic at the same time. Yeah. But actually that point about the, the idea that you can't narrativize this, I don't know if either of you have seen The Dictator. No. But no. Uh, well, yeah, one I was of, supposed to see it with a friend, and then we like kept putting it off, and then we saw the bad reviews, and we're like, eh. Well, one of the problems with the dictator is, I mean, the dictator might as well be Borat as a character. He's just Borat as a dictator, and I don't know, like he's saying all of the same kind of like anti-Semitic stuff, all the same kind of racist jokes, but somehow it's just a little bit less funny when there's no kind of foil for him to work off of. I mean, obviously, I just did that podcast with uh, Michael Delaney of, like, the UCB and, like, talking about how just certain type, like, sketch doesn't really lend itself to narrative sometime. Like, it's it's very opposed to it in some forms. And it's like, this film, part of the reason why I like it is that there is no sort of, like, forcing... It's, it's, a, it's a journey, right? You know, it's a classic narrative in that it's a, you know, man goes on a journey. Right. But the romance element of it, you know, when he realizes, you know, the good thing that he had with the black prostitute, he needs to take back home with him. Like that to me is like that still feels really fresh and like nice and not forced in a way that, you know, I mean, you know, with this big climax of it's a, it's a degrading image. Like, but it's still, I, yeah, like putting Pamela Anderson in one of the stars of Baywatch inside a silk bag yeah. <laughs> trying to abduct her like i feel it's refusing a narrative clo- it, it it has a closure right but it's still like kind of fresh and funny and not what you would expect it's not taking the easy route so i was for that for that i feel like it for that alone it holds up i come and make a warning oh to whom a warning to who me uh to you as in that the frivolous and income poops sasha cohens have returned Oh. This man is a real pain in my exit holes. Oh. <laughs> I think what you said, Sasha Baron Cohen, you're not a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen? I am not a fanny. <laughs> uh, his characters are very, very offensive. Uh, Ali G, uh, Bruno, and his new one, Donald Trump. <laughs> Can I just say the other important thing about the uh, nude scene? It's not just that they're doing these positions, these wrestling positions that are essentially what you would see in like a gay porno. It's that they break out of the hotel room, they go down the elevator, and then they interrupt like the annual mortgage broker's position <laughs> or some shit. Yeah. The people, yeah. the very people who like less than two years later will completely fuck everyone in the country. <laughs> they disrupt, and like the images of like, you know, Azamat getting like pulled off the stage, like, that that's what makes it like great and subversive because it's like yeah like fuck all of those people <laughs> you're right this movie does hold up well that was violet luca she hosts the film comment podcast which updates every week and you can get it in itunes and now watch this drive now watch this drive <laughs> see you next time Be alone.